Shabbat Shalom, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, shalom Aleichem. And Tzahoraim Tovim. That is good afternoon. It's good to see everybody here in the house of Hashem. Uh, a couple of announcements before we start our teaching today on Bayira. Number one, please keep Miss um, Woma in your prayers. We had a little bit of a scare this week. She ended up having to go to the hospital. Uh, but thankfully, she was home basically the same day. Um, thankfully, everything's okay. But just please keep um, her blood pressure specifically in your prayers, okay? Uh, keep, please keep Rose in your prayers as well. Obviously, she's doing better, right? She offered to teach this morning uh, when it wasn't even her turn. So, hallelujah. My wife was ready to go, but Rose insisted. And so, we're not going to offend you by saying no. <laughs> so, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, keep, please keep her in your prayers as well. And everybody in the house that, that needs prayer for healing. Uh, reminder uh, for our Kabbalah Shabbat services, Friday nights in Spanish and Espanol, right? 7 p.m. every Friday night. Today, actually, let me backtrack. Last week, we had our eighth and final conversion class, right? On Saturday afternoon after Oneg. Today, Roe is going to start the Tree of Life classes. So we're going to get some really deep mystical Kabbalah today. Uh, we're going to get deeper than deep, actually. <laughs> okay, this is really deep stuff. So uh, I want to encourage you guys, if you guys want to hang out after Oneg and um, receive some teaching, that will be awesome. It's going to be today, Tree of Life. Reminder of tzedakah, tithes and offerings. We have our tzedakah box right over here at the entrance, and we have our PayPal account. Also, one thing I always forget to mention, and I always see this when I enter the door and when I exit, and I always forget to mention it, so I'm going to mention it right now before I forget. Um, if anybody does not have a kippa for the men, or any ladies do not have a married ladies do not have a head covering, we have some there available for you guys to go ahead and take uh, and use at any time that you guys come into the show. So those are there available for you guys. Okay, again for ladies and for the men, uh, courtesy of Harnish Messianic Synagogue. <laughs> keep praying for our property, amen. Let's keep praying for our property together. Keep praying for. Of course, of course, we need our shul, we need our synagogue on that property, but first we've got to get the property, right? So play, not play, pray for acres and acres of land, amen? And tomorrow, just to give you guys a little heads up, tomorrow we are going to have a board meeting. The board um, is going to be meeting tomorrow around 11 a.m. here in our shul. So uh, we're going to discuss some very important topics about our shul, and uh, we are our goal is to be meeting every month, regularly, every single month. And so uh, we met last month, and now we're going to meet tomorrow. So just heads up for that. Uh, one more thing. I want to thank uh, Charity uh, because she came up with a great idea regarding Oneg, okay, which is she came up with a Google Doc, okay, which if you know anything about Google, the Google Docs, uh, if you don't, then you can learn this. Google, Google is Absolutely amazing. I use Google Drive all the time, okay, and Google Docs as well. I'm using it. I use a Google Doc every Shabbat, <laughs> okay. That's what I use right here. Um, so she came up with a Google Doc for Oneg, with you know, a space for people to sign up for main dish, side dishes, drinks, desserts, so on and so forth, week by week. And so if you're not on there already, please see Charity afterwards. That way she can get you, and she just raised her hand there, she can get you hooked up with the Google Doc. That way everybody can participate 
And uh, I know we've, we've already been using it for the past couple of weeks or so. So I want to thank you, Charity, for that. That's awesome. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray the blessing. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Please, Adonai, our God, sweeten the words of your Torah in our mouth and in the mouth of your people, the house of Israel. And may we and our offspring and the offspring of your people, the house of Israel, all of us, know your name and study your Torah for its own sake. Blessed are you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Yisrael. Bimru. Hallelujah. Today we are in Shemot chapter 7. If you guys are following along, you may turn there. That's Exodus. So get used to the word Shemot. I'm going to be saying Shemot all the time. Shemot is Exodus. Shemot is Exodus. So Shemot chapter 7, Exodus chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 14. Again, this is Parashat Va'eda. Va'eda. And this is what the word says. Hashem said to Moshe, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He has refused to send the people. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. Behold, he goes out to the water, and you shall stand opposite him at the river's bank. And the staff that was turned into a snake, you shall take in your hand. Let me just stop there real quick. I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with right, the, mir- the first miracle, which is the miracle of the staff turning into a snake. Pharaoh's necromancers did the same thing with two other, sn- two other staffs turned into snakes, but then Hashem's snake, or Moshe's, Moshe's snake ate theirs, right? So this is after this. This is after this. Verse 16. You shall say to him, Hashem, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you, saying, Send out my people that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not heeded up to now. So says Hashem, Through this shall you know that I am Hashem. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I shall strike the waters that are in the river, and they shall change to blood. The fish life that is in the river shall die, and the river shall become foul. Egypt will grow weary of trying to drink water from the river. And we'll stop there. Now, according to Or HaChaim, Hashem hinted a subliminal message here to Pharaoh. He hinted something to, to him that unfortunately he didn't get the message. Okay? But this was his hint. Hashem hinted to Pharaoh that through the plague of blood, he will recognize Hashem's aspect of mercy. Since this will occur not through his name Elohim as judge and creator. He didn't use that name. He said, I'm going to do this, the plague, through my divine name, the name we don't say. We say Hashem instead, the name, which always, when you see that name, it's always speaking of the attribute of mercy. Okay? So, this is, this is the, the hope. When Pharaoh would see the Nile River turning into blood before his very eyes, he will realize that the purpose of the plague is in order for him to make teshuvah, to, to repent from his sins. What sin? Refusing to free the Jews. Disobeying Hashem. In fact, last year, last, last, year, last week, we talked about how disrespectful he was towards Hashem. He even said, who is Hashem? Who's that? Never heard of him. Right? What disrespect. He will then, Pharaoh will then send out the Jewish people, right? And be spared from death. Since he realizes that Hashem is giving him an opportunity. Ever say opportunity? Opportunity, opportunity to make teshuva, to repent. It's all about that. Now, in case you're doubting that, listen to this. 
if Hashem's mercy was not at play here. He would simply destroy Pharaoh with a simple word. Why bother with warnings? Think about it. Right? If I want to destroy someone, destroy something, right? Or someone, I don't have to give them a warning. I can just go destroy them. Right? Um, how many of you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys have seen in your old days, not now, hopefully, right? In your old days, you've seen, you know, movies where, right, there's gangsters, right? And what do they do? They do drive-bys, right? They drive by and then they shoot. No warning at all. Just, they just shoot and kill, right? So why bother with these warnings, right? You know, this reminds me of the golden calf incident. You guys remember the golden calf, right? We, we leave Egypt and Moshe's up in the, in the mountain with Hashem, 40 days, 40 nights, and we get restless. We're like, he's not coming back down. Let's just make our own God, right? So, you know, they gave him all the gold earrings, right? Gave Aaron all the gold earrings. He made a golden calf. And they said, this is our God who brought us out of Egypt. Well, after this incident, in Shemot 32.10, again, Shemot is Exodus 32.10, this is what resulted afterwards. Hashem tells Moshe, now, therefore, leave me alone so my wrath may burn hot against them, and so may I may consume them and make of you a great nation. We're going to just click reset. We're going to restart the computer, okay? It's glitching. We're going to restart the computer just with you and me, Moshe. Just you and me, buddy. Forget everybody else, right? Now, when we read that, without context, without the oral Torah, then that makes Hashem sounds like a mean, grumpy old man, right? That's not the case at all. At all. Again, think about this. Why did Hashem even bother to warn Moshe? What's the purpose? What's the point? Why not just do it, Hashem? Right? He didn't warn anybody that he was going to create the universe. He just did it. Right? By the way, guys, I'm going to create the universe. Boom. It's done. Why bother here with warnings? Because Hashem did not truly want to destroy Israel. Instead, he wanted to give Moshe an opportunity. There's that word again. An opportunity to intercede on behalf of his people. To stand in the gap in prayer on their behalf. So that they would make teshuva. That they would repent and be forgiven. Do you see that? I hope you're seeing this. It's further proof. 2 Kepha 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9. This is what it says. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. That's a, that's a good verse for us right there, right? That's just a message right there, right? You know, we're praying for things and we're like, we never got it. God, why, why is this happening so slowly, right? Why, not, why didn't I get an answer yesterday, right? And Hashem's like, I literally, I'm outside of time. I got all the time in the world. You don't, but I do, you know, so <laughs> whatever, right? I, I know exactly when I'm going to answer your prayer, right? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some consider slowness. Rather, he is being patient with you. Everybody say the word patient. He's being patient with you, toward you. Not, for what purpose? Not wanting anyone to perish. But for all, everybody say all, all to come to teshuva, all to come to repentance. Yes, my friends, even the wicked Pharaoh. 
even him. Now, how many of us thank Hashem for his patience with us? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm telling you, that's one of, that's one of my daily prayers. <laughs> my daily thanksgiving offering to him is, Father, I don't know why you're so patient with me, because I certainly don't deserve it at all. But regardless, I thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> right? I take it. Because, you know, we, we thank God for patience, His patience because we realize that we have no business serving Him. Right? Rewind to the past. Rewind. And if we could time travel, right? Go back in time a little bit and see, see ourselves. We'd be like, if, in case we've forgotten. Right? I'm pretty sure we haven't forgotten. That was me? Yikes. <laughs> I did that. And yet, you didn't wipe me out. You were patient with me so that I could come to repentance. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Yet, we're serving him today. Because he did not want us to perish. Amen? But to repent, and not just to repent, friends, but to teach others to do the same as we did and as we continue to do. Friends, repentance is, is something that's lifelong, right? It's not like one and done. It's nothing like that, right? We repent, and you know what? We mess up again, and anymore, got to repent, got to confess, got to get it right again, right? That's just life, right? Now, we're going to fast forward to Shemot 9. Exodus 9 and verse 13. Few plagues have occurred, right? Obviously, the water turned into blood. We had that. Few other plagues occurred. Now we're going to focus on the plague of hail. Verse 13. Hashem spoke to Moshe, Arise early in the morning and station yourself before Pharaoh. Say to him, So said Hashem, the God of the Hebrews, Send out my people that they may serve me. Pause right there. He did not say, Let my people go. Period. It was comma, let my people go, comma, so that they may serve me. The purpose of salvation from Mitzrayim, from Egypt, the purpose of salvation from our Egypt of sin is not freedom. Yay, we're free. Now what? Now we serve him. Amen? That's the whole purpose of freedom. Verse 14, for this time I shall send all my plagues against your heart and upon your servants and your people, so that you shall know that there is none like me in all the world. For now, I love this right here, listen to this. For now, I could have sent my hand and stricken you and your people with the pestilence, and you would have been obliterated from the earth. You hear that? But I could have just sent my hand, not even my hands, not even my arm, not even my head, just my hand. And I could have just... <laughs> And wipe the other face of the earth by now. Verse 16. However, for this have I let you endure in order to show you my strength and so that my name may be declared throughout the world. That's the purpose. This reminds me of Yeshua's arrest. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeshua got arrested, right? He's, he was praying in the garden. And um, right, his, his uh, Shal Shalhim, his, his apostles were falling asleep, right? While praying, and, and, and then here comes 
right? Here, here comes uh, Yehuda, right? Judas, and, and betrays him, right? Well, there's all this entourage with him, right? And um, what happens is Kepha, Peter, Mr. Tough Guy, right? He gets a knife and he cuts the ear off of the Kohen Gadol's, the high priest. He, he cuts his ear off, right? There's a purpose for that, which I don't have time to get into. But this is what happened after. Listen to Yeshua's message to Kepha, to Peter. Matidiahu, that's Matthew 26.53. Matthew 26.53 is what it says. Or do you suppose that I cannot call on my father and at once... He will place at my side 12 legions of angels. How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? It's the exact same message to Pharaoh. Exact same. Right now, I could have just wiped you out. You know how many angels are 12 legions of angels? 72,000. I could have called 72,000 angels against you. I, only, I actually only need one, but I'll call 72,000. I have the access to 72,000. I'll call him right here, right now. But as with Pharaoh, although he could have stricken him for arresting him, and he could have obliterated them, obliterated them from the earth. He could have said, you know what, let's start over, Kepha, you and me. Right? He could have said the same thing. But no. Why didn't he? In order to show them and in order to show the world his strength through not only his death, his sacrifice on the execution stake, but through his resurrection. You know, one of the, one of the blessings in the Shemona Esrei, in the Amidah, is a blessing for him being the God of resurrection. Right? He resurrects the dead. One of the Towards the end of that blessing, we thank him, we praise him because there is none like him who raises the dead, who causes death and restores life and makes salvation sprout. What is the message there? See, when El Eliyahu, Elijah, and Elisha, El Elisha, when they, re they resurrected people, you guys remember that? They, re they resurrected people. Right. Even Yeshua resurrected some people. Lazarus, for one, and other people. Well, after that, you know what happened? They died again. But the blessing says, who is like you? Because not only do you cause death, but you also cause life. You, and you make salvation sprout. What does that mean? That means that when you resurrect, they stay resurrected. We're talking about the end of days at the resurrection. We're never going to die again. Who has that power? And you know what power was evidenced? When that power was evidenced? In Yeshua HaMashiach. Because Yeshua died once and he will never, ever, ever die again. Wow. It was to show them and the world through his resurrection that his name, the name of Yeshua, may be declared throughout the world by the power of Aruah HaKodesh within you and me. Amen? I'm not getting any amens here. <laughs> Let's skip to verse 18. Same chapter. Shemot 9, 18. That's what it says. Behold, at this time tomorrow, I shall rain a very heavy hail, 
such as there has never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. And now send, gather in your livestock and everything you have in the field, all the people and animals that are found in the field that are not gathered into the house, the hail shall descend upon them and they shall die. Whoever among the servants of Pharaoh feared the word of Hashem, chased his servants and livestock to the houses. And whoever did not take the word of Hashem to heart, he left his servants and livestock in the field. So there are two different types of people here. They heeded the word and said, they got out there right away and chased. <laughs> not, hey guys, come in. They got out there. They chased their servants in. They chased their animals in. And the others were like, eh, you don't got the power to do that. Come on, whatever. Stay out there. No, no, no. But master, uh, they're all going inside. Don't worry about it. No, you stay out there. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine the servants digging out there and hoeing or whatever? Okay. Why would Hashem warn Pharaoh about the coming plague? Think about it. Wouldn't this allow the Egyptians to avoid most of the destruction? Right? He's warning them ahead of time. So if they do the wise thing, they're going to bring everything in. That would minimize the destruction, wouldn't it? So why would you do this, Hashem? Or Hachaim states that the purpose of the plagues, listen to this, was not to cause Pharaoh and Egypt harm. That was not his purpose but rather to show Pharaoh, his people, and the entire world, his strength and his power. That was why. But how will they see Hashem's greatness, his power, his strength, with all their possessions safe and sound indoors? Well, the answer is in verse 25, same chapter. Shemot 9.25, this is the answer. The hail struck the entire land of Egypt, Everything that was in the field from man to beast, this is the point right here, this is the answer. All the grass of the field, the hail struck, and every tree of the field, it smashed. There's your answer. They would bring in everything, their servants and their animals, and they would see every crop, every tree smashed. Wow, there goes my food. There goes lunch I was picturing, you know, a nice hamburger tomorrow, and there it goes, right? No more wheat, no more bread, right? None of that. See, the plague of hell was meant for the produce. It was not meant for man and beast. Yet, yet, their failure to heed the warning led who to die by hell, man and beast. Many did not bring them in. They, caught, they got caught up in what was never, listen to this, what was never intended for them. The hail was never intended for man and beast. It was intended for the produce, for the crops, for the trees. That reminds me of something that Yeshua said in Matthew 25, 41. Matthew 25, 41. Listen to this. Then he, meaning Yeshua, will also say to those on the left, go away from me, you cursed ones, into the everlasting fire, which has been prepared for, not man and beast, prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Do you hear that? 
Gehinom. Hell. There is such a place. I know you may have already ran into Jewish people or you're going to. They're going to tell you there's no such thing as hell. We Jews don't believe in hell. That is com complete fabrication. You go, just last night, I was reading a book on the Psalms from Art Scroll, quoting ancient Jewish, quoting ancient Jewish sources, ancient sages, verse after verse, comment after comment about the fires of Gehino, the fires of hell. You want to trust someone that maybe doesn't even go to shul? <laughs> right? I remember watching a TV show uh, years ago. It was one of those crime shows, right? With the lawyers and courts and all that. Well, there was a situation where they brought up hell, right? There's two lawyers there and, and some other, I think, cops were there. And they said something about hell. And then uh, the lawyer, one of the, the, the defendant, defending lawyers said, Oh, sir, I'm Jewish. There is no hell. He turns around, he leaves. And I was like, I remember back then, I was like, there's no hell? Because we don't believe in hell? Oh my gosh, I've been duped this whole time. <laughs> and then I searched the scripture, I searched, I searched the oral Torah, and well, he's wrong. <laughs> it's Hollywood. Don't get your facts from Hollywood. <laughs> get your facts from the sages. Get your facts from Torah, right? So Yeshua himself talks about the everlasting fire that was prepared for the devil. Gehinom is not intended for humanity, but if we fail to heed the warnings to make Teshuvah, we will end up there. As the Egyptians did, who failed to get indoors. Do you hear that? Friends, that's love. You're like, oh my gosh. How, do you, how, do you, how can you say that? God is creating a hell. We're going to burn. I'm, no, he didn't create it for you. His whole life, his plan is to show you his strength and his power and his love so that you may repent and come to him and, and avoid what was never meant for you. Amen? According to Or HaChaim, the Torah uses the word ve'ata, ve'ata, which means ve and ata now, ve'ata. And now, in verse 19, okay, let me go back to that real quick. Verse 19, where it says, and now send, gathering your livestock, okay? It's, do it now. And now, ve'ata, now, as a call to make teshuva. Again, this was a warning from Hashem for those, including Pharaoh himself, who ignored the word of Hashem, to repent and take the word of Hashem to heart. It was a warning. God is a God of warnings. Teshuva is about taking to heart all the warnings, the warning signs. Hashem constantly, daily, sends us rather than ignoring them. You know, just yesterday, I, I, uh, I turned on the TV and it was on the news. It was on KRGV. <laughs> and uh, they were talking about these wildfires that uh, sp uh, spread in um, 
outside of Denver, Colorado. And I saw this and I was like, oh, I thought of Emilio. Because he was literally telling us last week, hey, I'm going to head to, I'm going to fly into Denver. I'm like, Denver, Emilio, wildfires. No. <laughs> so, so I'm like, so I texted Cody. I'm like, Cody, is, is Emilio okay? <laughs> like I, heard, I just heard about the wildfires. He texted back. He's like, yeah, he's not there in that area. Just told him to watch out, you know, keep an eye, keep an eye out for the wildfires. So thankfully he's okay. Okay. But those are warnings. Those are warnings. Not just the Colorado wildfires. Think of all the ones in, in, in California, in Brazil. Think, think of COVID. COVID's a, a warning. And, and we're not even done with COVID. Then we had uh, whatever the, the strain was, the Delta, Delta, right? And now we have Omicron. I'm like, you all couldn't think of a better name than Omicron? What on earth? If you're going to make it sound like a transformer, then just name it like a transformer. This would have been a, this would have been a, I should lead the CDC. Everybody, we have a new strain. It is called Megatron. Now, doesn't that sound scary? Omicron, you're like, whatever. Megatron, you're like, mask. <laughs> you're right. Right? That'll scare you, right? Megatron. <laughs> right? Think of the capital siege this year. This happened in early January. The capital siege. Friends, I'm watching the news. I'm like, that happens in third world countries. Right? All the time. We're like, man, it sure stinks to be them. My goodness, that doesn't happen in my country. And there we go. <laughs> it happened in our country. Mass shootings, school shootings. We as teachers have to get trained on what, how to deal with in case we have an active shooter. The tornadoes in Kentucky not too long ago. The war in Gaza earlier this year. In case we've forgotten, there was a war in Gaza between Israel and the Arabs in, in, uh, in Gaza. And not, not just that, but everyday issues that, that come up. Friends, these are all warnings from Hashem telling the world, this is my strength, this is my power. Would you heed my warning and make teshuvah? Would you come to me, please? Please. And we don't. And we don't. And what does he do? He could have easily sent 72,000 angels. What does he do that? I want all men to repent. So I'm going to send more. More warnings. More more and more because I love you. Sadly, verse 21 of chapter 9 in Shemot tells us that in the end, the wicked did not repent, and as a result, they and their livestock died from the hail mixed with fire. This reminds me of a parable that Yeshua shared in Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Yeshua talks about the parable of the sower. I don't know if you guys have read that parable. Yeshua always used parables. And you know who else uses parables all the time? Used, not uses, used parables all the time? The ancient sages of the Talmud and the Oral Torah. They always use parables. I've shared a few with you guys here. This is one of his parables of the sower. This is what it says. Uh, I'm not going to quote it. I'm going to paraphrase it. He describes four different types of listeners. Four different types of listeners. The first listener well, first, uh, he likens the parable to a sower sowing seed, right? Sowing seed. The first person is described as some seed fell by the road and the birds came and ate it up, right? And Yeshua later explains this as this. They hear the word of Hashem. They hear the warnings. 
but hash, but hasatan, cursed be he, snatches that word away. Kind of like, you know, they overheard it from somewhere, right? They saw a, a televangelist, you know, they just happened to saw, see a televangelist or something. I mean, they, 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 they see, you know, a Jewish person davening, praying, or, or reading Torah, or whatever, right? They, they see things and then, wow, and then the enemy just comes in and snatches it away. Okay? Number two, second person. Some seed fell on rocky ground. Yeshua later describes it as people that fall away. They receive the word. They receive the warning, but then they fall away pretty quickly. Whenever there's trouble. Whenever there's persecution. Oh, they're making fun of me because I'm praying. No, I'm, free. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm like you guys. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm not going to pray. I'm too cool for school. I'm, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, no, I'm cool. So yeah, they fall away. Why? Because they have no root. Right? They just show up once a week to, to shul or, or, or wherever. They just show up once a week and that's it. They clock in, clock out, and that's it. The rest of the week, see y'all next week. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya, right? That's, there's no root. There's no root. Right? The third one. Some seed fell among the thorns. Later Yeshua explains this as people that receive the word, but then they begin to worry. The worries of life. The greed of life. Man, this so, has so much to offer. You know what? I'm just going to focus on that. Focus on the here and now. Right? And so what does that do? What are those thorns? They choke the word. They literally choke it. And then it dies. But then there's a fourth listener. Where he says, Some seed fell in good soil and produced fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Wow, that's pretty good. These are people that hear the word and accept it. And it, ta- it takes root in their lives. They follow Torah. They heed the warnings. They make the Shuvah, And they follow him the rest of their days. That's good soil. Listen to how Yeshua ends this parable. He doesn't just end this parable with this statement. He ends several of his messages with this statement. Listen to this. Mark 4.9. Mark 4.9. This is what it says. And he, Yeshua, said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, we all have ears. Right? You're not just talking about, you have ears. No, you have ears to hear. Where is he getting this from? What, what does he mean by that? You know where he gets it from? Psalm 49. Psalm 49. Verse 2. Check this out. Psalm 49.2. Hear all this, you nations. Who's his message to? The nations, the goyim. Erwan. Everybody. Hear this, all you nations. Hear this, Erwan. Give ear. There it is. Give ear, all you dwellers of decaying earth. Notice how he says that. The world is dying. Don't put your faith there. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. Right? Go beyond that. Give ear. Verse 3. Even sons of Adam, even sons of man, in case you didn't get it by now in the nations, right? (laughs) Did you come from Adam? Yeah. Did you come from man? Yeah. Okay, then it includes you too. Okay? Together. And if you still don't get it, rich man, poor man. But I'm middle class. Ah. <laughs> Rich man, poor man. 
My mouth shall speak wisdom. What is that? Torah. Warnings. And the meditations of my heart are insightful. Listen to verse 5. I will incline my ear to the parables. Prophecy much? Parable of the sower? Yeshua spoke? Do you see the connection here? David's prophesying? Parable of the sower. My ear. I will listen. I do not want to be the 75%. I want to be the 25%. If you're doing the math, right? If you're doing the math. Am I good there, Cody? 75, 25? Good, good. I got to check. He's his numbers guy right there. Anything with numbers, I got to trust Cody. So that 20, I want to be among that 25. It's a good soil and produces fruit. According to Yalkut Eliezer, <clears throat> when a man falls from, he explains this, this verse, or these verses. When a man falls from a high ladder, careful, and suffers, he always tells me about how he's climbing up ladders. So I'm like, careful. When a man falls from a high ladder and suffers multiple injuries, the doctor has to bind each wound individually, right? Each one, each broken bone, right? Each bruise. However, when a man's sins cause him to fall from a high spiritual level and bruise all his soul's organs, quote unquote, Hashem, who is the great healer, does not need to bind each of your soul's wounds individually. Instead, this is what he tells the sinner. All I ask of you, sinner, is one organ. Your ear. That's all I need. Give me your ear. Let your ear listen to my advice and be healed. And the rest of the soul will swiftly regain its health. Amazing. The point of the psalm, the point of Yeshua's parable of the sower is the power of the ear to hear the warnings of Hashem and to accept the message, the Torah, the roots, that's the root, which is the cure for the sickness, and the disease of sin. What is sin, Tito? You ask 10 people, you'll get 10 different responses. Okay? Let me tell you the biblical definition. In the Hebrew, sin means missing the mark. That's exactly what it means in the Hebrew. Missing the mark. Okay, so when I miss the mark, right, so I shoot an arrow, right, like Hawkeye, right, and I, and I miss... That's, oh, okay, well, what's the mark? Torah. That's the mark. Whenever we sin, miss the Torah. We missed. We missed. We throw curves, <laughs> sliders, right, and all kinds of crazy stuff, but never strikes. Right? When we have ears to hear his warnings, we will do teshuva. We will repent, and in doing so, we will be healed, meaning we will be forgiven, and it doesn't stop there. We will then produce 30, 60, even 100-fold fruit through 
our connection to the root, which is Torah, which is the living Torah, which is Yeshua HaMashiach. And what fruit are you talking about? Apples, lemons, right? It reminds me of the big fat Greek wedding at the end, right? You know, the guy, he's saying that, you know, everything's Greek to him. Everything's Greek. Tell me a word. I'll tell you that the root comes from is Greek. The word is the word. The root word is Greek. So he 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 his daughter and uh, is married to this guy, and he's like, hey, um, the portocalos. The Greek word for portocalos comes from the word orange, right? And he's marrying uh, what's his name? Ian Miller. He calls it Ian Miller. He calls it Ian Miller, right? And uh, Miller. Comes from the word Milo or something like that, some weird word, and it is a uh, apple. So we ha- here we have oranges and we have apples, but at the end of the day, we're all fruit. <laughs> That's not the fruit we're talking about. Okay. We're not talking about apples and oranges. Okay. This is the fruit we're talking about, friends. This is it right here. Come from the Brit Hadasha. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that you will have, that we will have, when we heed the warnings, make the shuvah, and stick to the root. Amazingly, the message of Torah is for all mankind. Repeat that. It's not for the Jew alone. It's for mankind to turn into Jews. <laughs> How do you know that? Give me some proofs here. Okay. Easy. When Israel left Egypt, they did not leave alone. There was a mixed multitude. Who were those people? People from all over the planet at that time that lived in Mitzrayim, Egypt. Egypt was New York City. You go to New York City, you're like, where am I? Like, I'm hearing Dutch, I'm hearing Russian, I'm hearing some kind of African dialect. Where am I? That was Egypt. And the people saw the miracles, the plagues. They took ear and they said, we're clean. They didn't say, hey, you guys, Jews, come join us over here. We'll worship God over here in Egypt. Hear me. No, no. Can we please follow you? Can we please convert? Can we please do Brit Milah with you? Can we please tug on your seat seat and follow you? Even if you have to drag me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And they went. Hello. Became Jews. Became converts. Clearly they had ears to hear. Right? Loud and clear. Now, why did Hashem use a miraculous plague of freezing? Think about it. It's hail. What's hail? Freezing, cold, hail, like a rock, right? Hard, freezing. Why that? Why freezing, cold, hail mixed with fire? And yet, it didn't melt. Neither put each other out. Normally, fire puts out cold, and cold puts out fire, but... They stayed together. Why? Since the heart of the Egyptians had grown cold 
and hard as hell towards the word of Hashem and towards his warnings and towards his people. He, Hashem, mixed the hail with fire to warm, hello, to warm their hearts in hopes that they would make Teshua. Did he succeed? Mixed multitude. Hallelujah. And look around you here in this building. We're a mixed multitude too. None of us were born Jewish. None of us were raised in Jewish homes. We were part of the Goyim, and we said, we want that. We want the root. We want the fruit. Apples and oranges, too. <laughs> Every fruit. <laughs> Miller. <laughs> um, have you ever tried to lovingly correct someone, whether it's your child, whether it's a brother, sister, whether it's a cousin, a tío, tía, a student, employee? You're like, you're not even being mean. You're being nice, using a good tone, right? You're starting off with, you know, the positive things about them, right? And then you go into the correction very, very subtly, very softly, right? You're doing all that. You're like so, being so careful. You're like, yeah, I'm getting good at this. I'm getting good at this correction stuff, right? You're doing all that. And then the person gets cold on you and hard. And they start giving you the cold shoulder. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what? Hashem experiences this every single day. Every minute of every day. Someone's born every minute of every day. That means he experiences this every minute of every day. Think about that. How can you handle that? What love? What patience? You know, the, the sages teach us that we are not to attribute bad situations in our lives as coincidence. We must have ears to hear his warnings. I have cancer. That's a warning to me. I took it. And I said, I'm taking steps. I'm not taking it. I'm taking one step at a time, but I'm taking steps up. That's what I'm doing. This is a warning for me. That's what I'm doing. Psalm 41.5. We're coming to a close here. As for me, I said, Oh, Hashem, show me favor. Heal my soul. What? Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. According to Radak, ancient Jewish source, instead of asking for physical healing, David realizes that his illness comes from his sins, which are really a disease of the soul. David realized that if his soul can be healed through forgiveness, of his sins, then the recovery of his body would become inevitable. Amazing. So in other words, I need healing from the inside out. A lot of us, we want healing from the outside in. And the whole time God's telling us, hey, I'm warning you, fix this issue. Confess this. Inside out. Reshit chokmah adds that the soul that becomes contaminated by sin loses, get this, its sensitivity to Hashem. The soul loses the awareness of God's presence and is numb, hard, cold to the Spirit of God. 
Let me tell you a story from the Holocaust. On the 20th of Tammuz, the Hebrew month of Tammuz, 1941, the Nazis ordered the Jews of a town called Telshe in Lithuania to dig their own graves. Think about that for a second. To dig their own graves. That they're going to be killed in just a few minutes and be buried in. As they stood in the open pits, ready to die, the Rav, the rabbi, and the Rosh Hashiva, which is the head of the yeshiva, the head of their school for boys, led the martyrs to be in their final Shema. Just so you know, in Judaism, if, obviously, if there's a sudden death and we, we can't, you know, like a car crash or a plane crash, something like that, I mean, we, we heaven forbid, there's no warning, right? But if you know you're about to die, in Judaism, we say the Shema. Those are the last words that come out of our lips. Shema Yisrael Imagine knowing you're saying that for the last time. Well, they say it. The Nazis taunted the rock. Where is your God now? Listen to this reply. He's speaking to people that are the epitome of hail, cold, heart. The Rav replies, not only is he my God, he is also your God. And the day will come when you will come to realize it. What mercy. Why would you, Rav, even consider giving him any hope? They're about to kill you. All these innocent people, all they want to do is be connected to the root. And just for being a Jew, they're destroying you. Six million. And yet you're warning him? You're giving him hope? That's Hashem. That's the love of God. Wow. Psalm 51.19, last scripture. The offerings of God are a broken spirit, a heart broken and crushed. O oh God, you will despise not. Horn to Radak again. It's amazing. He says, You, Hashem, despise the animal sacrifice when it is not accompanied by a broken heart. Do you hear that? When the temple is rebuilt and we bring offerings with no broken heart, those will be meaningless. And they were meaning, meaningless when the temple stood. You hear that? But listen. But you do not despise the broken heart even though it is, a, it is not accompanied by an animal sacrifice. We don't have a temple. We cannot bring sacrifice today. What can we bring? A broken heart. A crushed heart you will never despise. A heart that longs for you. A heart that has ears to hear what your spirit says at every moment of every day. 
every warning, we heed it. We take it to heart. We make the shuva. We grow closer to you. And we produce fruit. The love of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your patience with us. Thank you for your warnings. Father, they are not pleasant at times. But Father, we know and understand that it is all your mercy. It is all your desire that we not perish, but that all people, Jew, Gentile, Greek, Roman, pagan, atheist, agnostic, Satanist, heterosexual, homosexual, every person that is wronging you every day, not taking the warnings. Every person, Father, you desire for them to come to repentance. Lord, I just ask, we ask as a community, Father, for an increased awareness of your warnings, an increased awareness to have ears to hear. We give you our ears. And Father, help us to see in those around us, those that are so lost, that it seems they are beyond hope. Help us learn from the Rav that gave hope to a Nazi that was about to execute. Give us that hope in seeing the potential of Teshuvah and everyone around us. We love you. We praise you. And we pray all these things in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Beimru. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand for the blessing. You will lift your hands to receive the ironic benediction. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the one who desires all men to repent. In His name we pray. Vimru. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? God is so good. You do.